You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion about Moon Knight Episode 5, Asylum. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on this podcast, joining me on this podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Okay, Brad, uh, this one... A lot happened in episode five. Um, wh- what is your your brief reaction to this episode? Um, it's uh, a good one for sure. Uh, <laughs> lots of um, traumatic things happening. Lots of interesting reveals. Still, lots of confusion. Um, but definitely, like uh, somehow, got even uh, weirder and darker and twistier. Yeah. When I asked for your brief reaction, you were like, it's a good one. I thought that you were just going to end it there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I thought this was a great episode. Uh, 
in some points it was beautiful. It was emotional. It was heartbreaking. Um, you know, a criticism I've had of this show so far is like, I kind of, I, I've cared about Steven, but I haven't really cared about Mark so much. Um, but this episode finally, you know, showed Mark's backstory and gave us, uh, something to care about. And Oscar Isaac is, uh, in full spotlight here, uh, <laughs> in, in two spot spotlights actually he's sharing the screen with himself and that 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 in itself is fun and um and i uh i like what they did with honoring mark's mental illness in a way that i never expected a marvel thing to approach a subject in, in this much um depth i guess i would I'd probably say so anyways I, mean, uh, I think that i would agree with that except for i feel like wandavision did a pretty good job of that yeah yeah i feel like it's a little bit more abstract there though right yeah i mean definitely like it's it's a much different angle and this one approaches it in a, um, a way that feels i guess less comic booky yeah it's more uh relatable to humans yeah, <laughs> not that, um, not, not that one division isn't relatable, but yeah, you know what just, I'm saying. Like yeah, it's it's, it's, like, it's, like it's abstract. It, yeah, the way it unfolds is a lot has a lot more of like a narrative structure to it. Like and like, like the framing makes it feel a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess maybe artistic. You know, because like here we're genuinely seeing just like you know flashbacks and memories. You know, uh, that Mark Spector created to hide his trauma. And how he dealt with it, you know, and so that's a that feels like a very real thing. And there's not, you know, a lot of uh, visual style, you know, that's done to to depict that necessarily. Yeah, although <laughs> much in one division created a whole town for herself. You know, we find ourselves in our own creation of a mental hospital. That's true. So, <laughs> in ways, it's it, it kind of shares some some little bits there. Yeah. Um, for today's breakdown, I thought instead of going down every bit by bit, because there was a lot that happened in this episode and it would be like an hour and a half or two hours if we, if we went that way, I thought let's, let's talk about kind of the big revelations that came out of this week's episode. Um, okay. So the last episode ended with Mark and Steven that they came across this hippo goddess uh named Tauret, and they were screaming in her face and uh, the hippo goddess is a goddess of woman ch uh, women child uh, children and childbirth and she's also the god that escorts people uh to the afterlife and that's what she's doing here what what did you think of her role in in this episode uh yeah i mean it was uh fun and uh i mean first of all the character like looks incredible too like the visual effects uh I, obviously marvel has been spending a lot of money on these tv shows but like that is a, a great digital character yeah. um you know even even you know not used to seeing an anthropomorphic hippopotamus walking and talking like a person like it, <laughs> it, it, it looks as realistic as you know a character like that would in the real world you know um but yeah no she it's it's <laughs> uh definitely a, a weird addition but uh it's you know it's fun to have you know a guide like that as we're heading into weird territory 
And I like that, you know, she's obviously a powerful God, but she's also kind of cuddly, I guess yeah. would be the word. Just a, just a nice, cool hippopotamus. Yes. Um, so she is the one that reveals to Mark and Steven that they are, in fact, dead. And this is a surprise to no one, right? We all knew that. I mean, the only person that's surprised to is Mark and Steven at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure that we were sure that that he was dead at the very least, you know, unconscious. But yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, well, I was just saying, in the, well, yeah, I guess you're saying for the second death. Okay. Because before it was confirmed in like a line to Kanchu that like Kanchu like brought him back from the dead. So, oh, yes. Okay. What you're saying is correct. Um, so she also reveals that the mental ward isn't a dream, but a version of the Duat, I think is how you pronounce it, mm-hmm. which is the Egyptian form of purgatory. Uh, and it's where you kind of have to wait for them to like see if your hearts are balanced against the feather of Mott. And, uh, so if you could, so that you could pass into, you know, uh, basically the Egyptian version of heaven or hell. Um, we'll just put it like that. Uh, so this isn't what we expected at all last week when we were making predictions, right? Right. (laughs) Um, when she said that their hearts weren't balanced and there was something missing, I thought for sure that this was a setup to our theory that this episode, we're going to learn that there was a third personality that we have not met yet. Were we wrong about the third personality, Brad? I don't think we're wrong. I think that's something that is still lingering there because there's, I mean, there's no reason for us to see that other sarcophagus shaking when we just previously found another uh, found um, Stephen in a sarcophagus when, that he was locked up in. So I'm sure that's something that's still waiting in the wings. Um, but yeah, we it definitely, I, I was expecting that in this episode as well when they were talking about that, but clearly it was just that Mark needed to reconcile, you know, the creation of, of Stephen and that, you know, his place in his life, essentially. Part of me thinks that there is, that there's no way that they're not going to pay this off in this season of TV. But on the other hand, we only have one episode left. Do you really think they're going to like reveal that there's a third personality in the next, in the next episode? I mean, if anything, I, th- I think it's possible that that could be like the end stinger or something like that. If they intend mm. to lead this into a second season that like a third personality will show up and someone, you know, someone's like, wait, who, who are you? And he's like, you know, and he says, you know, his name, you know? And so that's, <laughs> that's a possibility. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I know that there's some people I've seen online, including our own Vanessa Armstrong, that have a theory. I'm not sure if you've rewatched this, Brad, but in the first scene of this episode, there's a scene in the hospital where we see Mark, or is he, talking to uh, Dr. Harrow and uh, Mark, Stephen, whoever it is, has like a, it looks like a broken nose or something like a bloody nose, which we, we never saw that happen. And people have rewatched the scene. And uh, the way the character talks doesn't sound like Mark or Steven. It sounds 
different. This is the scene where he picks up the glass pyramid and it uh, says he's going to, you know, like basically tries to use it as a weapon. Yeah. And he, he yells, you're going to release that monster. You're not a doctor. Um, we should mention in the comic books, the third personality, Jake Lockley, tends to have like uh, like a little like a bandage or medical tape over his nose. Oh, interesting. So uh, what do you think of this theory, Brad? Do you think there's something to it or do you think where people are just grasping? Is this, is this um, Mephisto all over again? <laughs> um, I, I mean, this, I think this makes more sense than any of the other wild theories we've heard before, especially because, I mean, there, there was a direct reference to there being somebody else uh, within Mark and Steven when uh, they stabbed all of those henchmen, you know, like Steven said yeah. that wasn't him and Mark knew that wasn't him. So like, there's definitely someone there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I like that theory. I think it would be cool if there was a couple times that it appeared and we just didn't realize and nobody else realized. So that, that would be, you know, a cool reveal. I just wonder, like, how do you pay that off? Is that just something that, like, people go back after they've watched the whole series and they're like, oh, there was these scenes all along that were hidden? Or do you do, like, a fight club thing where, like, you show? I don't even know how you'd show that those scenes were the third personality. I don't know. Anyway, uh, okay. So Arthur Harrow is he? He's Mark's doctor in this place, but here, I guess this is one of my questions. Brad is in reality, he's someone we can't trust. You know, he's the bad guy of the series, and if if Mark is creating this whole place in his mind, which seems to be the case. Um, even though it's kind of like a purgatory, it seems like uh, uh, the hippo god, whatever her name is, Tower Tower it, mm-hmm. um, basically says that it's basically kind of created in your mind. Uh, she says it in a uh, more elegant way than I'm able to say. Um, why would the person that's like trying to help him? What? Why would the psychiatrist be the bad guy? I guess is my question. What? What do you mean? I don't know. Like, like, why, why is, why did Mark in his head, own head cast Arthur Harrow as, as the psychiatrist? You know what? I, actually, I think I'm answering my own question here because Mark doesn't want to. Mark doesn't want to uh, see the truth. Right. Yeah, I mean- so. Yeah. So yeah. So okay. I'm answering this for myself. That that that's probably the answer. So he's putting the bad guy in that role because he doesn't want to. Doesn't want to open up and like dig yeah. back into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Someone pointed out that Hera's office in um in the hospital is actually the same room that in episode two Stephen like when he's with a. Arthur, like he escapes and he uh, locks himself in this room, and it's a uh, this brick building. So it's not white bricks, but it's a brick building. It's that same exact room. So I'm not sure if it's just um, Marvel reusing, set, you know, a set, or if that's a, or, or maybe it's creative reuse of a set that they're actually like, oh, it would make sense because this is kind of like a create. What, what do you th- have? You seen that picture of? The- yeah, I mean, if anything, I feel like that just it's just something that feeds into 
uh, you know, a marked creation of Harrow as, you know, the, the psychiatrist in this, you know, construct. Yeah. Um, it's a cool detail if, if you can uh, see it. Anyways, okay, so Tararet is guiding them on their journey in the afterlife through the Egyptian underworld. And Mark refuses to believe that this is the afterlife. But Tararet explains that it's not just an afterlife, not the afterlife. It's, um, it's as if there were like many intersectional planes of untethered unconscious or untethered consciousness that exists like the ancestral plane. So this is a mention to something in another. Yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, That explained, I like how the MCU is starting to create, it's starting to expand their mythology, even into the afterlife and explain like, you know, because I've always wondered in Black Panther, like, you know, how does that work with other, like, the, do only the people of Wakanda or the Black Panther, do you know what I mean? Like, how does that work? And now they've kind of explained how it, it works across all living things. Um, so uh, the true nature of the duat, duat is impossible for the human, human mind to even comprehend. So... They might so basically we perceive the reason, the realm as something easily recognizable. Hence, uh, Mark sees it as this uh, uh this um ment- mental institution, this asylum. Uh, does this confirm that Mark was actually in the hospital as a kid? Probably, maybe. We don't see that in any of his backstory in this episode, but, but it makes but we, me wonder. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't necessarily see, you know, I mean, everything that would explain, that explains yeah. anything, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, so in order to get the scales to balance, Mark must come to terms with his own past, something that he's uh, been very resistant, resistant to do since the beginning. So we, we find out that... Um, he walks into that room and we see, get to see all the room, uh, all, all the people that he's killed as a mercenary. And uh, we learn about how Bushman left him for dead and uh, killed uh, Layla's father. And he was found by Conchu and became Moon Knight. This is pretty much everything that pretty much how it happened in the comics. And it's what we've kind of predicted in previous episodes. Uh, but do you have any thoughts on any of that part of the story, Brad? Uh, not, not in particular, no. Okay. Uh, what did you think of us experiencing all this like backstory through like this narrative construct of exploring different rooms in this mental, mental institution? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it definitely makes the origin story that much more, uh, interesting and engaging. You know, normally you might see this origin story play out in movie form chronologically, you know, following that uh, story and seeing how he became this uh, mercenary and how he got his powers, but they saved it for later and they do it in such like an abridged fashion that like we just get what we need to know and, and that's it. And it's, it's, it works a lot better than doing, you know, an entire origin uh, story that spans a, a, you know, a feature length film. Yeah, it's almost the Captain Marvel approach, but in Captain Marvel, she realizes herself. The story in here, it's kind of like Steven 
learning Mark's story. Mark already knows the story. So it's like Stephen uh, coming to, you know, in the beginning of the story, he, he just thinks he sleepwalks. Yeah. He doesn't even know of Mark. And then, like, you know, it goes from there. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the big reveal of this episode, I think, is that the cause of Mark's trauma stems from this tragic accident that involving his younger brother. Um, as a result of that accident, his mother blamed Mark for his brother's death and punished him with emotional and physical abuse and created a... And uh, Mark created Stephen as a way to cope from all that. And uh, there's a couple interesting things here. Uh, but by the way, that whole sequence is amazing. I thought that was, um, I, w- I don't know, I just thought it was really great. Uh, in a previous podcast, I mentioned how the Indiana Jones type that was in the movie that Stephen loved was named uh, Stephen after himself that I thought like... Uh, maybe he was imagining this movie and like making himself out to be the hero in the movie. But it, it, it's interesting that it turns out that uh, Mark basically just named Stephen, Stephen Grant after the movie, the movie that Mark loved. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, there's um, the, the mental illness uh, at, at the core of this, like that the national Alliance on, uh, on mental illness says that uh dissociative identity disorder can be triggered by both long-term physical abuse and active military service, both of which um, Mark has had. So I like that it's accurate to that. Um, What did you think of this whole sequence and revelation? I mean, it's definitely tragic. Uh, You know, it's, it's sad to see that that's where it came from, but uh, clearly it's you know a, a pivotal part of who Mark is and now who Stephen is essentially, and it you know it creates definitely a a sense of I don't want to necessarily say pity but just you know uh, sadness for for this guy and that he's you know the at every turn he's had to deal with you know hardship essentially and even in his his adult life you know the the, the path that he chose he ended up uh, having to take a much darker one and do things that he didn't want to do right down to uh, being on the verge of death and then having to serve uh Kanchu in order to, to live again. So yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, maybe one of the more, uh, you know, sad superhero stories in, in the Marvel cinematic universe. For sure. Uh, in the comic books, it's a little bit different. It was his father who died and his father's funeral like he ran away from his father's funeral and then uh his father's friend who was like the serial killer and nazi deserter who had adopted uh this identity of a long lost rabbi and it was like this catalyst for mark's trauma so like it's uh i'm guessing that backstory was a little bit too heavy <laughs> for this tv series and uh, i like how mc the marvel studios always with the mcu like streamlines things from the comics like there's definitely a lot of aspects from the comics in this but they like make it more streamlined um another thing i want to mention in this whole sequence is that mark makes fun of randall aka roro his his brother's drawing of a goldfish because goldfish only has one fin uh which is basically representing his goldfish later on in the or, or i should say steven's goldfish um so they have this big realization uh, to Stephen because uh, 
he had always assumed that he was the original part, like the, the, the prime person and Mark was the other personality, but it turns out that it's Mark who is the original person and Mark created Steven to allow him to escape from his reality. Um, did, did you assume this from the beginning or like, this is something that I didn't even think about all along because Steven, Steven was kind of presented as the main character from the beginning of this, this series. So I, I, I it never even occurred to me that it was Steven was a creation of Mark's uh, situation. I mean, I considered it a possibility. I hadn't accepted it as like the absolute, uh, you know, definitive thing as far as like which identity was the quote unquote, uh, you know, real one. But I assumed that like one of them was created. Um, I when I thought about this, I thought that maybe the identity of Steven was created as a way for Mark to protect himself from anybody else. If he were like discovered or something like that, that it was, it's clear that like, you know, he's not who they, they think he is. Uh, um, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't take it all the way back to his, his childhood. Another big uh, revelation here is that Mark slash Steven's mom is no longer alive. So we've seen Steven talking to her on the phone and receiving postcards from her. What do you think was actually going on here, Brad? Was he just talking to himself? Presumably. <laughs> um, we also get co- confirmation that Mark is actually Jewish, which uh, is actually a big part of his identity in the comics. I know that uh, some fans were kind of afraid that the series was not going to address it. I know with... um. Oscar Isaac is not Jewish, um, and they just thought they were just not going to mention it at all. But here we actually see a memory of the Shiva for Mark's brother, and um, but in the comics, Mark like there's like the Mark being Jewish is is a much bigger deal because his decision to like serve for Kanchu stems from like this difficult relationship he's had with his faith and. He turned uh, his back on Judaism after his father was like this victim of this anti-Semitic attack. And uh, Mark thought his father should have like fought back with aggression and his father chose like the faith-based approach. And uh, so so that kind of all led to him becoming Moon Knight. Here, it's it's not as big of a part, but I I like that that it's still obviously part part of it. Um, So in this journey they needed the scale of justice to balance by the end of the journey uh there's a god pictured on the scale and that's uh anubis who is the god of the dead who used to measure the hearts of the dead uh, on a scale of justice weighing it against the uh feather of justice basically and if the heart was lighter than the feather the person would live forever in the afterlife and uh, if it was heavier, it'd basically go to hell. Um, so there's a little difference here with the MCU and it needing to be balanced, not being lighter, but need, needing to be balanced. And uh, so if it's balanced, uh, they'll be welcomed into the field of reeds, allowing them to spend eternity in paradise. And if it's not balanced, they'll be thrown overboard where the dead will drag them down to the duat where they will remain forever frozen in sand. And uh, I'm going to say this is the only part of the episode I don't think I was really into because it 
number one, it felt like they were trying to force an action scene into this with uh, like the zombies coming aboard the ship. And then um, also, I, th- I mean, as much as I like the payoff with Steven sacrificing himself to balance the scale, I'm kind of conflicted because of like how the show has treated DID and this mental illness uh, kind of very seriously in, in some respect, but somehow uh, for the character to balance himself, he needs to kill off half of himself instead of like, well, I'm reconciled sure. like the differences that he, you know, they had, do you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like, I don't think I, I, I know it's a superhero show. I, I I'm not trying to get like to like whatever, but it feels kind of like, oh, just kill off that part of yourself, and then you'll be you'll be back to normal. I don't think that it's necessarily the sacrifice of Steven that is what balances the scales. I think I think that it that's just something that happens in that scene. Um, I think that from my perspective, anyway, what balanced the scales was, uh. Steven kind of stepping up to like defend defend himself and being the one who like takes control in that situation and recognize and him him kind of coming to terms with that trauma along with Mark as well and like I don't know having sh- showing a certain amount of strength in uh in himself without Mark. Yeah, I guess I could see that 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 angle of it and it's also like it's not that like Steven makes the decision to sacrifice himself so it's kind of like a heroic i don't know it, it it just felt like too like for something like they've kind of dealt with and in, in a more depth than like this it feels kind of weird to me but um yeah i mean i think i think that it's there are part there's a little bit of it like that is definitely feels kind of clunky but i'm not necessarily i don't think it's necessarily like disrespectful necessarily yeah yeah yeah, I, I think overall the show has done a really good job at respecting uh, mental illness and DID. Um, so this episode ends with Stephen getting to the Field of Reeds, which is basically this like afterlife version of heaven. And uh, but at the end, he's he's standing there in heaven. He's lost Stephen. Uh, Ahmed is about to become unleashed upon the world by Arthur Harrow, and. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a, a happy ending. And I, I mean, obviously we have one episode left, so it's not resolved quite yet. So I guess that brings us into our speculation, Brad, with one episode left. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, who knows? Um, like I, with one episode left, like, like I hope this is like some kind of supersized episode because there, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that has to be resolved. You know I mean? We haven't even seen Arthur Harrow get to like the point where he's achieved what he wants to yet to like unleash his, you know, grand plan as it were. So there has to be a confrontation between hero and villain. There has to be reconciliation between, um, you know, for, for Mark and, and Steven and what, whatever's going on in, in their head. And so, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot that needs to happen. So I'm, if anything, I'm more curious than, uh, able to theorize anything that might happen i will say with these marvel disney plus shows which i've uh more often liked or loved uh more than not the the final episodes usually disappoint me so 
they become more of like the um standard like you know superhero story like ending uh even when they're set up as like something much different and much more interesting so uh, you know i obviously i think you know arthur has to be stopped amit cannot be unleashed the question is how can steven get back into the real world if he's like stuck in what did i call it the the field of reeds the only only thing i can think of is maybe like next episode is going to start with layla and layla is going to have to break in and release conchu and then conchu is going to have to bring him back and moon knight's going to have to save the day before arthur can totally unleash Amit. What do you think of that theory? That's possible. Yeah. Um, the other question I have for you, Brad, and this one, uh, I'm kind of like, this kind of annoys me because I really, over this season, have grown to love Steven, and Steven seems to be gone. Do you think Steven is totally gone? No, I don't think so. I, I think having like that that personality is a key part of the the character you know and so you can't you're not just going to get rid of him and entire so i think that we'll we'll see him come back okay what well, if you had to bet money brad next episode before the credits will we get a third personality before the the end credits yeah uh, not an end credit scene like right. yeah before before we hit like the end credits. Will we get a third personality? Hmm. Because I'm not going to count an end credit stinger like that, that. That does not count here. <laughs> um, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I think I would bet money too that it's going to happen. But, but I won't be mad if if I'm wrong. But um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we will reconvene next week with uh, a recap and spoiler discussion of the finale. Is, is there anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we, we pretty much covered it. Yeah, I feel like there wasn't, like, too many Easter eggs in this episode. There was the one part when there were kids and, like, he stepped on um, a bird that looked like Conchu. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what kind of bird that was. I probably should have done some research. Um, but, yeah, there wasn't as many... Easter egg, like last week was like <laughs> filled with references and stuff. Of so course. yeah. So um yeah. So we'll we'll be back next week. Uh if you want to send us an email with your, you know, uh thoughts, speculation, you can do so. Peter at slashfilm.com. You can read all our coverage of Moon Knight on slashfilm.com. We have pieces on everything from the rules of the Egyptian afterlife to uh you know there's a character that was mentioned in this episode that we've talked about in previous podcasts named bushman who could come into play brad do you think bushman's gonna come into play in episode six um <laughs> probably not <laughs> yeah I, I would guess not too because they, the, the thing is they 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 am I, correct me if i'm wrong they didn't show him right no, I don't they just think showed so. the yeah, they just showed the dead bodies. Yeah, but th that basically to me reads like we don't want to cast him in case we need him for like something else later on. Because why Maybe not show that's him? Possible, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, if you want to read about Bushman, if you want to read about um, a bunch, we we have like half dozen articles on Moon Knight 
on the site. And we also have coverage from CinemaCon. They showed the first like trailer for Avatar 2. It seems like uh, people are underwhelmed. Uh, but if you want to read those reactions, slashfilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.